Welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast or how to get connected, go to BethelCleveland.com. All right. Well, hey, we're going to dive back into our Flourish message, uh, and we're going to be talking about flourishing, flourishing in Revelation. But I did want to let you know of a couple quick announcements that I think are pretty awesome. First off, I want to give a shout out to Andre Turner, who just graduated medical school. Andre, I don't know if you're here today. If you are, you can, he's right over there. Woo! Come on. Come on. It gives me the goosebumps to think about a doctor with that kind of anointing. You might have less patience, man. You might just lay hands on them. They might just get like healed while you're doing an examination. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see how. (laughs) And then also, um, Pastor Steve and Cindy, how many of y'all miss them? (laughs) They're going to be back next Sunday. And we are so looking forward to seeing them. Their grandkids are patiently waiting. I don't think that they understand time. It feels like forever for them. Um, we're all waiting, so make sure when you see them next week, you just corner them and you tell them how much you miss them and you love them. They'll love that. <laughs> um, I don't know about you, but last week's sermon from, gosh, it was a special speaker. It was just so rich. Mm. You know that the Lord is hovering over a word when you're still thinking about it six, seven days later, which I am, which is why I'm going to do a part two, because I couldn't think of anything else after that sermon. You know, one of the things just to say about Ashley before we just dive in, I just, I just so appreciate the beautiful humility that she walks in and the way that she delivered the word. You know, Jesus said that blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And being meek doesn't mean that we are weak, it means that we are able to be led, able to be directed. You know, it's the difference between a Saul and a David. You know, King Saul, he wasn't sensitive towards the word and the command of the Lord, and David was. He, David became the king of Israel, remembered as a man after God's own heart. The meek will inherit the earth, because as, as the word says, the earth is the Lord's in the fullness of it, and he gives it to those who are humbled and led by him. I heard this quote from Stephanie on one of her sermons. She said, Jesus is more humble than we are. And he'll meet you wherever you're at. I don't know where you're at this morning, but as I've been praying for you, I really do believe that God is going to meet you in this place today. There are are moments in time, like one o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock, and then there's moments where we step out of the the chronos and into those kairos moments, those moments in the spirit where we start to, it's almost like you step out of the, the ticking seconds and into an eternal place where the Lord is depositing things in you that do not have a shelf life of expiration, but will go on throughout your life and into your time before the Lord in eternity. I believe God for that kind of moment right now, stepping out of the Kronos and into the Kairos, that the Lord is going to 
speak specific things to you. I feel like there's a lot of people here today, you are so hungry for the Lord and you've been wanting to hear from him. And today he is going to speak to you in a way that is gonna provoke revelation and change in your life. Some of you might get healed before you walk out the door. Some of you might have um, things in your heart that are hurting right now, not just physical, but, the, but mental, emotional, that the Lord is sewing up and touching right now. I don't know if you've ever been supernaturally delivered from a trauma or a wound, but man, it's glorious. <laughs> I'm believing God for all of that. As we press forward into the spirit of revelation, let's continue to ask the Lord for a greater understanding of it. So put your hand over your heart. I'm going to pray for you. Father, what an honor it is to call you Father. All of creation is hungry for you. Whether they know it or not, they're hungry for you. And here we are with a seat at the Lord's table, able to take in as much as we can stand. Lord, I just pray, expand our capacity to receive you. Lord, that you would fill us so much to the uttermost that it would force out all the stuff that doesn't belong God, we make space and room for you today. And Holy Spirit, I thank you for healing, restoration, and deliverance that comes, not necessarily because we're asking or begging like slaves, but because we're sons and daughters and we recognize that the healing isn't the goal. You're the goal. The healing is just the byproduct. We make space for you, Lord. Fill every heart, every person. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Mm. If you have your word today, open up to John 15. That's where we're going to be digging in and spending most of our time. John 15, verse 1. Love the sound of them turning pages. Jesus said, I am a true sprouting vine, and the farmer who tends the vine is my father. He cares for the branches connected to me by lifting and propping up the fruitless branches and pruning every fruitful branch to yield a greater harvest. Verse three, the words I have spoken over you have already cleansed. Another word for that is pruned you. So you must remain in life union with me. That means like abiding in the vine, for I remain in life union with you. For as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to mine. And this is what we're invited into this morning. You know, our lives, they can become so cluttered. And I think sometimes we can use the busyness of life to justify to our own hearts why it cannot be satisfied by the secret place with Jesus we're invited into. Has anyone in this room ever been jealous of somebody in church? Thank you for someone back there. Yes. <laughs> Hallelujah. Me too. You, want, you know, the interesting thing is, is 
Obviously, when we feel jealous of somebody, we see someone operating in an anointing or we see somebody being powerfully touched by the Lord or we see like something that we feel called into, someone who's just a little bit further down the track or seem to get it a little quicker or easier and we can start to get jealous. And what do we do in the church? Exactly what I feel like I've been trained to do since childhood. Oh, I don't want to feel that. Shut down the jealousy, Lord. Crucify the flesh. Blah, blah, blah. You know, all that stuff. And that's true because we don't want to be jealous, but I think that we will be more set free if we can understand the genesis of jealousy, where jealousy begins. You see, jealousy is just a result of dissatisfaction in the secret place before the Lord. So if I look at somebody and I see them operating in anointing and I'm jealous that the Holy Spirit is flowing through them instead of feeling like I want to honor what the Lord is doing in that person, it is only a reflection of the areas that I am dissatisfied in private before the Lord. So when we're satisfied in the secret place, the way that the Lord designed us to be, when we are alone with him and he is pouring into us and we are taking in his word and allowing the power of that word to transform our lives, then all of a sudden we don't walk into the house of the Lord being anemic or starving or needing something. We're already filled up. So when we come in and we see the Lord ministering through somebody else, we celebrate it because we are satisfied, because we know where the source of our satisfaction comes from. It's not here. It's not. It's not in what we do. It's in connection with him. That's success. And that's what we're looking for. So if you've ever felt jealous, the Lord is inviting you. It's not... The enemy would love to say, you're jealous because you'll never be like that. You'll never have that. You'll never be, they'll be so much greater than you. But what the Lord is saying when you feel jealousy is, that's an invitation to press into a greater level of seeking in private before the Lord. You have just been invited by the King of Kings to be close to him. Listen, if some of y'all, I don't know, pick your favorite celebrities. If I told you Paul McCartney wanted an audience with you. Sorry, Taylor Swift. Is that better? <laughs> Somebody wanted an audience with you. Like, oh my gosh, I get to meet this person. God is speaking through your reactions and inviting you in to a place of greater seeking. Hmm? You know, and I talked about being busy. We have to remain in life union with him. I say this quote with trepidation, but I only say it because I liked it, because it, it gave me an ouch. It felt really good. I was reading John Mark Homer's Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. How many read that book before? Praise the Lord. One of my favorite moments is he talks about the secret place and, and, and being alone with the Lord. And one of my favorite moments is when people say, but, but John, you don't understand. I'm, I'm far too busy to be in the secret place. I, you're saying that I have to remain in life union with the Lord. I'm really busy. I've got kids. I've got jobs. I've got this. All these projects, all these things. I, I, I don't know if I have time to seek the Lord in private. I don't know if I have the energy to be able to do that. And in the book, John says, that's okay. Maybe you're just too busy to follow Jesus. It takes that mentality that we're always soothing ourselves 
trying to explain to our own heart. You see, your heart inside of you was designed by the Lord. He's the master architect. So there is this part of our heart that is driven and hungry and desperate for God. But this, our mind, it just gets in the way. And it spends so much time trying to explain to the heart why it can't be satisfied. We're far too busy. We've got too much going on. All of these things. But if we could allow the spirit of revelation to take the information stored here to make that 18-inch whatever journey it is down to the heart, that we, that we have a faith that professes that the king, of, the king of everything is inviting us to be with him, to let that travel from our, from our information piece to the revelation part where we realize that God really is wanting to meet with me, it would change the way we looked at the secret place. Jesus said, you have to remain in connection with me, life union, for I remain in life union with you. Flourishing begins with abiding, being connected to the vine. Another piece here. You know, I think that we live, when we talk about abiding, because I feel like there is a, there is a war, a cultural a concerted effort to take away all the silence in our lives. I mean, when's the last time you actually did something like cleaned your kitchen, made a meal or something without like a podcast or music or something in the background? There's just so much noise. There's so much busyness in our lives that is robbing us of what God wants to give to us, which is the peaceful, steady tone of his voice. We live in a world of different standards. Your truth, my truth. My subjective reality, yours. Mm, nothing's for sure. But one thing I did, I did kind of understand is that I think that we we've got to be careful that we don't let that mentality of anything goes and however I feel infect our approach before the Lord. Because, you know, I think we apply different standards in our lives to just about every relationship and situation, different levels of severity. This, one, this situation's more intense or this relationship's more important in my life. I've got to invest more time here and more time there. But I feel like we apply different standards to our earthly relationships versus our heavenly. Maybe because they're immediate, Maybe because we can see the person that we're talking to, but I just wanted to give you a good example of what this might look like. Hey, Ash, I'm so proud of you last week, but I'm way too busy to spend time with you this week. Yet I've got a lot of important pressing matters to take care of. Um, I know you understand. I know we probably had a lot of plans, but um, I don't really need to apologize, right? because we got me, we're married. You love me, you're gonna forgive me anyways. I don't need to make it right because your love is constant, it's secure over me. You've basically already forgiven me for anything I might do, right, most things? So why bother apologizing? <sighs> because we're in it together forever, baby. There is a word in the natural realm for what would happen to me if that conversation was real. <laughs> we don't need to say it here. You can fill in the blank. You know, this is the natural realm, my wife, and she wouldn't be having it for that kind of relationship. Mm -mm. Nope. And for another piece, I would never do that. I'd be far too afraid. 
And I told Ashley on this property in the kids' sanctuary, almost 13 years, yeah? No, 12? Nine, 10? There we go. <laughs> no, the wedding, wedding, okay, 2013, so 10 almost. I told Ashley, till death do us part. Jesus told me, to death, so we never part. I can't have a higher value of connection in my marriage than my connection to the Lord. But you see, the poverty mentality will tell us, okay, I can't have a higher, Jay just said I can't have a higher value for my connection to my spouse than the Lord. So um, I'm gonna decrease my time with my spouse and give that time to the Lord. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that there needs to be a promotion that happens here, right? You keep your level. Actually, you'll find that if you promote the Lord to first place in your life, that the love that you have for your spouse will increase beyond your capacity to give, right? So this isn't about like robbing from Peter to pay Paul church fun. This is about promoting to proper places because the truth is our standard for marriage falls woefully short of God's. He illustrated it the best beyond anything that we could ever show off or do. So when we put him in the right place, revelation is able to flow because how do we operate in the spirit of revelation? It's by living in life union with Jesus, abiding and connecting in the vine. Matthew, uh, John 15, five, here we go. Let's keep going. I am the sprouting vine, and you are my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you are powerless. If a person is separated from me, he is discarded. Such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire to be burned. But if you live in life union with me, and get this, and if my words live powerfully, that means my words take hold and are strong within you, then you can ask whatever you desire and it will be done. When your lives bear abundant fruit, you demonstrate that you are my mature disciples who glorify my Father. Fruit is not what we think it is. The fruit of the Spirit does not mean favor of man. It does not mean crowds, popularity, notoriety. Oh, God's really moving when I'm in the place. It is none of those things because if fruit is in the numbers, then the ends will justify the means as long as we are big enough and effective enough and good enough. Fruit is not large numbers. It is maybe a fruit you can judge in a natural realm, but that's not the fruit that the Lord is talking about right here. He's talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Mm. VBS, just a little sidebar. Pastor Michael's putting on VBS. I, I know the fruit of the Spirit because of VBS when I was a kid. So there was a song that came out. I went, love, joy, peace, and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the fruit of the Spirit. It sticks with me forever, right? 
So I was thinking about Ashley's message, and it was so funny sitting next to her into the car, because she's trying to describe what the Lord is doing in her. I mean, you heard some last week, but I've had an up-close personal view of it. It is really great. I would like to say that during the card games where she's being pummeled by the Holy Spirit, um, she's very good. It just makes her a normal average player when she's like, you know, being whacked by the Holy Spirit. It's not wrong for me to continue, you know, because she... (laughs) because she's still winning the card game. <laughs> and plus it happens like all the time, predictably so when she said, has the Holy Spirit left me? And then five minutes later, <laughs> as the Holy Spirit hits her. <laughs> but we were sitting in the car and she's trying to describe what, what's been happening. I don't know, I just feel, I just feel so much love and I'm, I'm getting more patient. And, I'm, and then the, the lights turn on, she said, this is the fruit of the Spirit. This is what the Word is talking about. I'm growing the fruit of the Spirit in me. And I was like, yes, you are, babe. <laughs> That's the fruit of our spirit, right? But it's the fruit of His Spirit. This means that when you experience love, joy, peace, patience, all of those, you are having fruit in you that is not native to your soil. It was transplanted from another dimension and is producing supernatural changes within you. His fruit, the fruit of the spirit, it's not natural. It is something that's being planted in you in a supernatural way. Now stick with me here. So Jewish understanding of the kingdom of God is different than yours and mine. You see, this is why Jesus' declaration that the kingdom of heaven is here was so radical because the concept of heaven on earth that Jesus was bringing was was the pulling from the outer to the inner limits. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is near and here. In Jewish mentality, the third heaven was beyond the moon, beyond the stars, somewhere in the cosmos, a physical place in the universe. The second heaven was the sky, the clouds, the atmosphere. And the first is what we're living in right now in this room. So, The thought is that we go to the third heaven when we die, a physical place somewhere beyond the universe in this dimension, beyond the sun and the stars. And then the second heaven, which is the sky, and first heaven, the physical space we live in. Now, they believe that the kingdom of heaven was beyond the place we live, beyond the atmosphere that we look up at, and beyond the stars, somewhere so far that it is uncrossable, and it's only the place where angels can traffic to and fro. So when Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is here, it wasn't just good PR. It wasn't just a good message that would make people think, oh, the kingdom of heaven's here. It was articulating something that broke paradigms, that the kingdom of God, which is unreachable, you can never touch it. It is the place that only angels will ever be able to go. All of a sudden, Jesus is saying that it is accessible to you now, that you can taste it, you can touch it, you can feel it in your hands. It's here and it's all around you. The belief that God in heaven could never be reached or felt was split like the veil in the temple after Jesus' crucifixion, the curtain separating God from his people, keeping us from the Holy of Holies where God dwells has been crossed. And here we are today where we can see, taste, and touch his kingdom. Jesus was radical, and I love that. But do you know that that's a mentality that extends today? Most people believe that God is far off and distant and uncaring and unfeeling towards you and towards me. They believe that his, his healing power and his presence isn't reachable. It's not touchable. 
But the kingdom message that we believe here and that we live out every day, as you saw in that video with Frank, he is here. The dimension between us and him, that that bridge was crossed by Jesus. He became the bridge. The word tells us that there's one mediator between God and man, and it's the man, Christ Jesus. And because of him, we have access to this kingdom. It means that heavenly storehouses are accessible to you and me. It means that the fruit of his spirit from heavenly places can be planted in us. When your lives bear abundant fruit, you demonstrate that you are my mature disciples who glorify God. Fruit, the fruit of the spirit is evidence of your connection to him. It's proof of his spirit resting in you. It's a result of time. Well, I, not time. Because sometimes people can go into the prayer room, right? And they come out more prideful. It's not necessarily about duration, like you don't go set a clock and a timer. It's about sensitivity, soft-heartedness towards the Lord, right? And that's what we're all going for. We all need that. I feel like sometimes the Holy Spirit is like a meat tenderizer for our hearts. <laughs> Tenderizing us, making us more receptive to him in the areas that we get harder. You see, Jesus is looking for a heart that's malleable and receptive to his voice. And that heart is in life union with Jesus. And this is the root of revelation flourishing in our life. It's a divine understanding and communication, sure, from the heavenly spiritual realm to earth. It's what empowers information to be transformed into revelation, his spirit. Revelation takes hold in our hearts and produces the fruit of the spirit. So there is a fruit of the spirit I've noticed in my life recently, and it is love. Ashley, can you reach in my bag? In the center pocket, I, I just, this isn't in my notes, I don't think. I just, I want that passion copy of the Song of Solomon that's in there. So Ashley's, Ashley's been having her encounters, and I wasn't planning on sharing this bit, but I'll come and get this. So we were sitting at the table a couple months ago, and Ashley's just weeping at the table playing cards, and, and, she, and she says, Jay, you're next. Points <laughs> at me. God's got your number, and you're next. <laughs> And I was like, okay, I mean, yes, Lord, let it be so. Because sometimes, I mean, have you ever seen someone have a powerful encounter with the Lord? Did you know the Holy Spirit's in the room? But it's, it's specifically for them. And you're not weeping. You're not like in it. Like they're immersed in this pool of just, and you're just like watching it happen. And it's fun. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. I'm like, okay, that's great. And then the next night we're, we're just relaxing and she leans over and she goes, God's got your number. You're next. And she points at me. She goes, number 53, Jay, where are you? And then laughed hysterically for like 20 minutes. Sorry, this is too much information. So 
I was like, okay, Lord, I'm ready for it. But the next morning, we get in the car, and we're, we're dropping the kids off. We're going to pick up Madeline from uh, preschool. It's like 11 o'clock. And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm just sharing from the heart, and I, heavy weeping just takes over me. We're talking about an encounter with the Holy Spirit that I did not know was the Holy Spirit. Do you know I've been in this, I've been in this, in this environment for about 20 years now. I was exposed to it when I was like 18 or 19 to see the Spirit flow, and I'm pretty familiar with how it looks. I was not prepared, and I was not ready for what this feels like. What the Lord is pouring out right now, it, it doesn't feel familiar because it's something new that was reserved in heaven for this time in the earth to be released. So when you experience his outpouring that is coming, it is going to be unfamiliar. It wasn't until 30 minutes afterwards when I was able to breathe again that I, that I said, what was that? And Ashley said, um, that's the Holy Spirit. And I was like, really? <laughs> I felt like a newborn in the kingdom again. And then it kept happening. I was sitting in the office with Joe before Matchless. He shared a story about his dad, Joseph Trumbo, our amazing pianist. I don't know where he is. He's somewhere right there. He, he shares this story about his father, which by the way, um, I don't know if he's ever going to share that publicly. If he does, I will be in the front row just sitting there waiting to listen to it. He said it and it was like, I didn't even realize that the Holy Spirit hit me because it hit me so fast. Like my brain didn't have time to register what was happening to me. And the Lord gave me this image that as he kept doing that, that each one of our lives is like a garden. And the Lord is breaking up the fallow ground because in this season, the weeds, the roots that have taken hold that aren't supposed to be there, the Lord is uprooting. And some of us don't want to do that. We look at our life or we look at these areas and we say, oh, Lord, don't touch that. Those plants are beautiful. I'm not a gardener, so I'll say, I planted all those roses and it was wonderful. I don't want them removed. And the Lord is saying, but what is underneath the surface cannot stay for this next season. So he goes in the car, breaking the fault lines, sitting in the office with Joe, fault line. It's happened like four times to me now at this point. I was watching Jesus Revolution. Anybody watch that movie? Here in this house, yeah? The baptism moment where Greg goes under the water, again, hit so hard by the Holy Spirit. I was actually weeping before I realized what happened. Again, I'll start again if I'm not careful. So this love encounter with the Lord, I don't know about you, but I don't know what's been... Why? Because I feel like my parents loved me so well, but I've always struggled. My biggest thing is believing that I'm that I I'm worthy or I have that kind of love from the Father. You read things in the scripture and it feels like outside of the renewed mind, how could God possibly feel this way about me? Because the enemy loves to come in and write insignificance over your life. To say that scripture obviously doesn't apply to you, right? Because you couldn't be that special or loved by God. You couldn't be unique enough and special to his heart for that to matter, for you to matter. And it's all just a lie of the enemy because the Lord's given us his word. He's told us how he feels about us. 
over and over a thousand different times? Why is it that when he tells us over and over that for whatever reason, it, it, we won't let it sink deep because it's, there's something fundamentally inside of us outside of, of, of a miraculous touch from the Holy Spirit that it's, 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 it's inconceivable to our finite human brains to believe that we could be loved that perfectly. So what do we do? We run around accepting the love that we think we deserve. And, and our relationships sometimes reflect that, doesn't it? But after those encounters, the Lord told me to pick up Song of Solomon. And I don't know about you, but it feels a little saucy. I think, I mean, I was reading this and I was like, this is pretty graphic, Lord, for the Bible. <laughs> Read this chapters on a Sunday morning. And, you know, it's always been a little bit difficult for me. Like, you hear compliments. Like, I love to say things to Ashley, like, your hair is like a flock of goats. <laughs> your teeth, girl, are like a flock of sheep come fresh from their washing. <laughs> Do you see that? She's already blushing. That's great. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. But for the first time... I picked this up and I felt like the Lord told me to read. And um, I was trying to do some prep work for, uh, uh, gosh, it was last weekend. So I was with Patty and I was doing EpiSSM. So I was, I was prepping for those. And I opened up this page. And have you ever watched a movie or read an amazing book that you couldn't stop? Just devoured this whole thing. One sitting, studied it. It was like three hours, four hours later. I was like, oh no, there goes my morning prep time. <laughs> but... I couldn't believe it. It was the first time that I felt like the Lord was talking to me about how he felt about me in this world. So there was a specific verse that the Lord just brought to my mind. I want to open it. Um, let me find it right here. Yes. And I felt like this was for somebody today. Um, and I believe this is going to be kind of critical for the spirit of revelation as it begins to fall, for you to understand this, that also integral, it's not just abiding in the vine, it is, but it's also accepting how loved you are by the Father will open the windows of revelation because you'll believe what he says when you see him through his love for you. So if you've struggled this morning with feeling loved by the Lord, could you do me a favor? And um, I would love it if you would just, uh, I know this is kind of weird, but would you just stand up? And I want to read this over you. If you've ever struggled feeling like worthy of love from the Lord, would you just stand up for me? And I want to read this over you. And I'm, I'm saying to stand, because not because, obviously, this isn't an altar call at the end, but I want you to know how common this is. And you know what? I'm, I'm very, very tired of going into um, rooms where I feel like I, we, we, we were trained not to be honest or to talk about what we're feeling, because he can't heal what we hide. He cannot take, take away what we keep in the darkness. And you know what? The darkness is really funny because it covers things up. But as soon as we allow the Lord to shed his light, the, 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 those things in our life lose their power. Why? Because they only gain strength in the darkness and in secret. But when the light comes on, we see them for what they are. 
And I wanted to read this over you because I feel like the Lord is gonna release freedom over you. And I want you to close your eyes and I want you to turn your attention towards the Lord. That's why we came here. You didn't come here to be entertained or wowed by somebody. You came here to be connected to the Lord and to hear from him. And this is this moment for you right now. I believe that the Lord is gonna break off unworthiness in you. That if he decided and called you out and said that you are loved, that you'll be able to begin to receive that kind of love. And I know I heard some of your thoughts just now uh, that you said, I wasn't loved that way. I was broken as a child. My parents never told me that they loved me. Leaders in my life let me down. Those kind of things. I'm here to tell you, he will never let you down. And he is revealing his heart to you this morning. This is Jesus talking to the bride. So sorry, guys, you got to get used to being a bride. Jesus is saying this to you, okay? Dial in. I have come as you have asked to draw you to my heart and lead you out. For now is the time, my beautiful one. The season has changed. The bondage of your barren winter has ended and the season of hiding is gone and over. The rains have soaked the earth and left it with blossoming flowers. Can you not discern this new day of destiny breaking forth all around you? The early signs of my purposes and plans are bursting forth. There is change in the air. Father, I just thank you for what you're doing. Lord, I thank you for what you're releasing right now. Father, I just pray that you would unlock whatever door has been shut that is limiting the reception of your love. Can we just turn our heads up, up towards the heavens, just focus in on the Lord and just, you can sing out in the spirit for a moment. Joe, I know you're being ministered to, so I don't know, Allison, if you can come up. We're going to bring this plane in for a landing. Father, I thank you that right now you're touching minds. Put your hand on your head. You're touching minds right now. Lord, I just pray, Father, that you would, you would anoint each mind to receive the revelation of their sonship, of their daughtership right now. That they are not they're not just servants who don't know what their master is doing. Their sons and daughters called into the secret place. And Jesus said in Matthew 11, 28 through 30, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly.
Can I get our ministry teams to come across the front? Then, Ash, I'm going to have you come up in a second to uh, close with me. Yeah. So I would like to invite anyone who is just hungry for the Lord, and especially the people who stood. You guys can, I'd love it if you came up to the front so that we can pray for you as well. And this is what I leave you with. In Matthew 26, Jesus was at a dinner and there was a woman who, who bust into the room, breaking all the social norms and protocols. And she had in her hands an alabaster jar. Now this is something that you can only break open once. You can't break it open more than, it's just, that's it. One time and it's done. And it's worth wages of a whole year. And she came before the Lord and she cracked open that vessel and she poured it out on the feet of Jesus under the judgmental eyes of all the men in the room. And she poured it on his feet and wiped his feet with her tears and her hair. And when everyone became critical and said, how could, how could worship be this extravagant? How could it be this incredible or amazing? He said that people going forward for the rest of time will talk about this moment in memory of her. And when she came before the Lord, I want you to think about this. The, the incense, the smell, the fragrance of that oil was all over Jesus. It even says that it's possible that as Jesus was up on the cross that he still smelled like it. But you know, there was one other person who also smelled like it. It was her. It was the woman with the alabaster box as she poured out her love and her most valuable possession on Jesus's feet and wiped his feet with her tears and her hair there was a transference that happened there was something that that couldn't be denied the fragrance of her sacrifice covered the feet of Jesus but it also bathed her and for the next three days she walked all over the city and people talked about the story but as they did they couldn't deny that as she walked by the smell of that encounter hung in the air because it was in her hair. The Lord is calling you to a place of worship that will be offensive to others. I bet the fragrance from that night is a perfume bottle they sell in heaven or give away in heaven. <laughs> so my, my prayer is if you just stand up on your feet, um, Ashley's going to minister to you for a, a, a couple more minutes. We want to be able to invite you forward, especially those who stood who are wanting the Lord to expand their capacity for love. But Ashley, whatever you feel, thanks. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. You can help us reach others by investing today at BethelCleveland.com slash give.